0: Yesterday, we started listening to a message by Elder John Morgan Owens entitled, Beauty for Ashes. In this message, Brother John Morgan shares with us how that the Lord can take a situation that looks hopeless or helpless and turn it completely around. The Lord certainly doesn't work with sin, but He overrules sin, and ultimately, everything we bring to Him in our lives as children of God, He can turn from ashes into beauty, from sorrow into joy. Join us today as we conclude this message, Beauty for Ashes. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
1: Comfort my people, Savior God.
2: Now, you want to you want to know when the Lord's in the matter <laughs> It's when he takes a situation from from looking desperate to looking like a feast. Right. I think about our example here that we had a, a desperate situation that looked like it was over one member and then it turned into a, a time of feasting. Now that's that's the evidence of God being in the matter. They went from almost having everybody in their family murdered to then feasting together. Let's go to Job chapter 41 real quickly. And just a few more of these little places. Now, Brother Chris has been preaching on this. In Job 41, here's where we are. All the miserable comforters have already done their their soliloquies, right? Job has given his defense or his... Uh, him calling out to God, now this is God's answer. And and God says, uh, in verse 21 it says, His breath kindleth coals, and a flame goeth out of His mouth, in His neck remaineth strength, and sorrow is turned into joy before Him. That is a marker of God's presence. That sorrow is turned into joy. Now, Psalm, uh, book, of, uh, book of Psalms, chapter 30. We know this passage. It says, For his anger endureth for a moment, in verse 5, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Now, there's a sense in which all of these passages that I'm reading to you apply to your daily life. They're, 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 you're going to be in seasons of despair and the lord says those are not permanent okay those don't last you're going to have seasons of joy but here's where it really applies okay it really applies in that there is coming a day that will last forever that your joy will truly last forever that that the nighttime of your life that you're living is going to you're going to wake up <laughs> And you're going to realize that the dawn is coming and there's going to be joy forever. Psalm 126. I've got two more of these. Psalm 126. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Now this is a psalm of hope. That even though you may weep it says, think of it this way, as if, as if you're, you're sowing your tears, but you're going to reap in joy, okay? That there is coming that day that will last forever, where your joy will triumph over the memories of your sorrows. Now, Isaiah 61, this is probably one of my favorite passages in Scripture. That song that I wanted to do for an opening, <laughs> Uh, that Brother Austin wrote is based on this. I, I know y'all have heard it before. We've sang it here before. but um, Isaiah 61, and I'll read the first three verses. Jesus himself quoted this when he came into the temple, and he opened the book of the law, and he read this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Now this is the passage that really really gets me. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. Now what's happening in verse 3 here is you see the Lord is trading some things. Okay? The Lord is offering to trade you some things. He says, Bring unto me your ashes, and I will buy them from you with beauty. That's amazing. You know what ashes are? It's not just that ashes are something that's worthless. It's worse than that. Ashes are worse than just worthless because what are ashes? It's something that's been burned. Ashes, in in a way, represent something that used to be. Okay? Not only is, is ashes worthless, but ashes is also painful memories. Right? painful memories of things that used to be maybe maybe your home is burnt maybe some of your possessions have been burned and it's just all you've got left is ash maybe some of your dreams have been burnt right and all that's left of your dreams all that's left of your aspirations is this little pile of ash and it's worthless and it's painful to look at because every time you see that pile of ash you remember what you one day hoped it would be. But you know what God says? He says, bring me that ash that has no value to anybody else. Bring me your pain. Bring me those things, and I will trade them. I will give you beauty in exchange. That's amazing. It says the oil of joy for mourning. You may have mourning, but Jesus says, bring them to me. Bring me your mourning, and I will trade you. I will give you the oil of joy. The complete opposite. You have a spirit of heaviness. You're heavy about things. Bring it to God, and He is going to give you the garment of praise and trade. Now, those sound like, on the Lord's part, sound like bad trades, Right? But you know what? Your God is the God that can do that. Your God is the only person, the only thing that can take your sorrow, that can take your pain, and turn it into joy for you. That's one of the greatest evidences that we have of of God being with us is that in the midst of, of affliction, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of sorrow, you can still have joy. Now to close, I want us to go to Hebrews 12. In that first passage where Jesus taught about sorrow being turned into joy, He mentioned that image of the woman in childbirth. He says she's in sorrow because her hour has come. Okay. That It's your time, to. it's the time that you're going to go through suffering. You know, one of the things that makes it so bad is that, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like just something that you dread at work, that your hours come and you got to go through it. And then, you know, you get there and you're like, ah, you know, this isn't really going right. Let's just, let's just come back tomorrow and try it again, right? No, childbirth is not like that, Right. (laughs) It's no, there's no pause button and, you know, reset the game. It's, it is, you're in it, right? Your hour has come. You can't escape it. Now, what else is like that? (laughs) When Jesus went to the cross, there was no escaping that. He wasn't, he wasn't coming up to the cross and then saying, ah, you know what? I don't know if I'm ready for this. I'll come back in a hundred years and try it again. No. It was his time. His hour had come to deliver your salvation. Okay? Now, you know, of course, we got to a point in, in our uh, labor after about 30 something hours where we thought, I don't know, maybe we should need to come back next week. I don't know, it's not happening, right? <laughs> but we were there. I mean, we were in the throes of it. It didn't matter, it didn't matter, you know, how we felt. It didn't matter how woozy I was feeling. We had to go forward, right? It was, it was, we had to go forward. Jesus had to go forward to secure your salvation. But also Jesus said this in referring to that woman in childbirth. She said, he says that her sorrow is turned into joy. That her pain that she's going through is, is turned into joy. Now many of you sisters told uh, Sister Meredith that she would forget the sorrow. And she did almost immediately because of the joy. Hebrews 12 verse 1, Wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, patience doesn't just mean the ability to wait, okay? That's what we think of as patience. We think of being able to wait for whatever work to get done, to be able to wait on the the Lord to grant your your prayers. No, patience actually is more than that. Patience implies suffering. That's why it's used here in this passage of a race. Somebody who was running a marathon, needs patience that doesn't mean they're just sitting there uh twiddling their thumbs waiting for the finish line to come what does it mean (laughs) it means they are able to endure pain now i know some of you out there uh just love working out and stuff you just love the pain right for for many people and 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 perhaps brother mason's this way too for many people (laughs) Their motivation in the pain is not just that they enjoy pain. It's that they want to push through the pain to their goal at the end. That's what patience is. I don't have enough patience. That's that's why I don't work out a lot. Um, But but here's our example. Jesus is our example. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, it blows my mind, still does, how God, the God that trades us, that takes our sorrows and gives us joy, that takes our ashes and gives us beauty, that He would somehow take away our sins and would instead, in exchange, He would go to the cross and go through the suffering for us. But it's even better than that. It's even sweeter than that. Because what is His motivation? His motivation is, is not just so that He can uh, you know, have all the glory. Look, He's got all the glory before He ever saved you. You realize that. Even if He did not save you from your sins, and even if He sent us to hell like we deserved, then He would still be worthy of all praise and glory because He's God. So it's not, a, it's not some power trip or some, some trip of God being uh, thirsty for glory. No, He comes in and He saves you for what? For joy. The joy that was set before Him. He endured the cross. Now, when Meredith was, was going through and I felt helpless um, and she was, you know, my hands were getting squeezed and she was hit with that pain again. Uh, one thing that I told her, she told me later, keep doing that because that's the only thing that helps. Okay. I said, do this for Cal, for our son. And she said when she heard that, she said immediately, you know, she could, she could handle the pain. Right. Because she knew that the pain that she was feeling was temporary and that she would do whatever it took to see Him. Now to think of Jesus going to that hour on the cross when the wine had run out, when the joy had run out, when there was nothing left that was happy, when, when it was His time to go. There wasn't there wasn't any rain checks on that date. What was it that gave him the strength to push through? It was the joy set before him of you. <laughs> to think that he would look and he would think about his suffering. That even though we we wanted out, <laughs> we wanted to be done with that labor we still, in some degree, we rejoiced and were excited thinking about holding our Son in our arms. Now to think that that God would look at me, that Jesus would look at somebody like me, and and yes, even somebody like you, and would say, I will go through it for them. (laughs) And would even draw comfort and strength from seeing you. How do we know that He saw you in Isaiah? It says that He saw His seed. He saw you there on that cross. And what? He was satisfied. Man, to think that He might love me. (laughs) That He might love you enough that He would be willing to take on your sorrow. And place it on Himself and go through that on the cross for you. That's amazing. <laughs> now in the meantime, as we're living this life, as we're waiting on that day when we see Him, and, we, and, and immediately we don't have anything left to ask for because we're in His presence. What do we do in the meantime? In the meantime, You have an advocate with the Father ready to take on your sorrows. Ready to take on your ashes. Bring them to Him and let Him trade you some joy. (laughs) Okay? Because believe it or not, the Lord doesn't want you to live a miserable life. That you can live in joy even in the midst of this place. And if that's no comfort to you, then know this, that when all of this is said and done, all of your sorrows in this life, and you wake up and you see Him, that first breath that you take in His presence will be worth all of the sorrows that you've ever experienced in your entire life. There's a joy coming that will last forever, but there's also joys that the Lord gives us here in time.
0: Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. that's zionpbc b c one eight four seven 8 at gmailcom or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L-at-gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.